This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back, Raider Nation. Happy Thursday, this week before Memorial Day. Hope you're going to have a nice, long weekend coming up. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. And we got hot shoes, baby. Burning down the avenue, model citizen, zero discipline. If you get that, then you get my T-shirt and we're ready to roll. This is uh, not just my show. Of course, no, it's not. It is also... Uh, my co-host, my partner, my good friend, the national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report, also Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com. Yes, he's looking for a fifth job. Uh, his name is Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, on the Twitter. Yes, you can catch him there. Make sure you interact with him uh, and catch his stuff up on those two websites. You can follow me on Twitter, LV Gully, and also the show is SNB today. Mo, are you going to get a long weekend? Do you get some days off this weekend for once or no? What are days off? <laughs> what, what does Bill Belichick always say? No, right. days, no off. days off. No days off. No days off. Absolutely not. I don't I, actually, to be honest, I don't get any real downtime until the NFL players get downtime, which is after mandatory minicamp. Right. So yeah, the beginning of June through that July period until camp starts, right, which is coming up. <laughs> But, Mo, today, that's right, Thursday, May 25th, guess what happens? OTAs. Yes, there's actually football activity on the field, if you want to call it that. The Raiders start later this morning. If This podcast is released early on Thursday morning. So if you're listening to us on the way into the office, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, we will see also uh, press availability. So they're going to practice early in the morning uh, which is open to the media, so you'll start to see some videos and, and stuff coming out of uh, journalists that are covering the Raiders in Henderson out at the facility, the Intermountain Healthcare Facility. Um, but you also will get uh, head coach Josh McDaniels. You will get players, too. So we'll have some press conference material over the next few days to do that as well. But, Mo, OTAs, like, people are excited because it, it, it's technically a football camp. It's voluntary, remember. So don't freak out if Josh Jacobs isn't there because he hasn't signed his, <laughs> his his tag yet. So don't freak out if he's not there. They don't have to be there. But you will see a lot of the rookies there. You get to see them in their jersey for the first time uh, out on the field and with a helmet on rolling around and stuff like that. But Mo, OTAs, it's sort of like it's anticlimactic for most of us. Yes, in the media, we get to talk about it. It gives us something during a somewhat slow period to do that. But OTAs, tell people what they are and what they aren't. What it's not is you're not hitting with pads on. There aren't any scrimmage games. There's nothing really of substantial substance where you can kind of say, okay, this player is going to be a starter. This player is going to be a backup. It's more of an introduction. It's a glorified walkthrough, I believe it was called by my 
uh, colleague at Bleacher Report, Brett Sobleski, mm-hmm. basically started a glorified walkthrough. Um, the coaches are installing the game plan at this point. So you're introducing rookies, veterans that you signed in free agency, guys that you may have traded for to the game plan, what you're going to, how you're going to uh, situate your offense and defense, special teams included for the upcoming season. And this is why a lot of the veteran players who have been around the Max Crosby's of the world, the Josh Jacobs of the world, even if he was uh, signed to a contract, will probably not be at OTAs simply because they already know the game plan. They already know the drill, so to speak. So this is this is more of an introduction for the new players. And and veterans want to attend to just get themselves in shape. And that's fine, too, because I'm sure there are bonuses and stuff of that nature. But as you said, it's voluntary, so they don't have to show up. Correct. So you probably you, you a new player like Jimmy Garoppolo. We expect him to be out there uh, as he reorients himself to the Josh McDaniels offense. Also, <clears throat> with the new players in there uh, and, and the fact that he just wants to get on the same page, any reps you can get in. If you're a new quarterback, especially any player on, for that matter, as you said, uh, you want to get that in. So you'll see him out there as well. But that's the thing, too. I think that that when you look at OTAs, you start to have the conversation of that the pre-camp conversation, which is and that's what we're going to do on today's show. We're going to get much more into it as we move on into segments two and three and talk about specific positions. But we talked about this through the draft. We talked about it through the beginning of the offseason, which is offensive line. What are they doing on the right side? What are they doing depth? Cornerback safety, the defensive backfield, lots of question marks there. Linebacker, I want to say there's question marks there, but it's hard to say that because they just don't have bodies there yet. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but these are all things that you start to talk about now. But I think it is key what you said just a moment ago, and that is for fans to understand you're not going to get answers coming out of May 25th. When you get to camp on the 6th through the 8th of June, you'll start to see a little more. But even then, no, you have to wait until the pads get on in July and guys start flying around and hitting and you understand how they're grasping the offense already to get a true sense for maybe what competitions are going to heat up and who might win some positions there. I will say I, I do like to listen to the pressers. Now, Josh McDaniels has mastered the art of saying a lot while saying nothing. So I don't expect much Thursday. <laughs> he learned from the best. From but but John Gruden, I remember the John Gruden years, and there would be times where John Gruden would put guys in the spotlight. I remember uh, Damon Arnett, I believe it was his mm. second year, and someone asked him about you know the, the cornerback position. And he said, well, Damon Arnett basically has got to fight for his spot. And I remember antennas went up like, whoa, this is a yeah. first round pick yeah. that has to fight for a spot after he, you know, played last year. And I that's when they signed Casey Hayward and Casey Hayward took over. And um, there was Trayvon Mullen there. And Damon Arnett was basically the odd man out. <clears> so <throat> John Gruden would drop some nuggets. I doubt we'll hear that from Josh McDaniels just the way because it's just the way he operates. Right. But listen, sometimes you have to read in between the lines and you'll get yes. where certain players are, their status at a certain position. Will they be considered to be a starter or not? I'm interested to hear how how the secondary is going to pan. I would ask him. I know he's an offensive minded guy, but we pretty much know what the offense is going to look at look like aside from the right side of the offensive line, which you mentioned. I want to know how the Rays are going to address their secondary. How the Rays, as you mentioned, going to yes. address their linebacking core? That's what I'm interested in. Yes, and we're going to get into that in segments two and three. And prior to the start of OTAs, Dave Ziegler said, listen, he they asked him about different positions. If you read the Vic Tafer athletic piece, uh, you'll get some of this too. And 
Don't complain to me because it's paid and it's good content. You pay for it. That's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, but anyway, uh, you have that up there. And what Dave, what Dave Ziegler talked about was the defensive line, the defensive tackle position, and that he's happy that there's a lot of competition there, that they brought in some guys. And we're going to get into that position later on. Uh, but but that's what I think you get out of OTAs, to your point, is the read between the line stuff. Because Remember, coaches, and you're right, Josh McDaniels is not John Gruden. Uh, he's not going out there with his hat and his six-shooter and shooting off stuff, right? But what he will or may do, and we've seen this all over the league, Mo, which is coaches use those press conferences to motivate sometimes to say things like, hey, well, he might not mention a player. He might say, yeah, you know what? It's going to be a knockdown drag out until, until that first regular season game on who's going to win that starting safety position. Uh, or uh, to see what we're going to do in the rotation at cornerback. He's sending a shot across the unit, across that room, to say, guys, this is going to be competitive. Nobody's got anything locked in, so you better go work your tail off. And I think that's what needs to happen, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You had to let guys know. Yeah. As I, And I read up on some of the Denver Broncos OTA chatter, and basically Sean Payton is giving out the message that spots are earned, not given. Now, I know mm. you hear that a lot during the offseason training camp, but it has to really mean something. And I think it does under Josh McDaniels, because if you remember four undrafted rookies made the roster last year, made the mm -hmm. final roster last year. So it's really going to be a competition. As we always said, iron sharpens iron. So you want the best 53 men on the roster. You want the best 11 on the starting roster on each side of the ball. And I think you're going to get that because the Raiders, their roster, as we know, a lot of, lot of turnover, a lot of transition. So there are going to be a lot of camp battles, maybe not for starting roles, but definitely for second string, third string backup roles. Yes, for sure, especially with the turnover they've had there. And then uh, the the, con the competition at defensive tackle, yes. The competition at cornerback, yes. Linebacker, we'll see who they bring in. Uh, and and some of the names that you've mentioned in the past we'll talk about later as well. But, yeah, I mean, listen, it's 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 back to football. This is this process before we go into that dead period between the beginning of June and the end of July. So milk it for what you can and enjoy seeing some of those guys out there. And I do. You're right. I love hearing I love hearing the players talk, too, because this is where they'll bring guys out. You just start to get to know them a little bit, right? I think it's that's what's great for fans, especially, is they go out, and, and especially with the rookies and some of the new players that came over in free agency, the journalists are asking them questions about, hey, tell us about this. Why did you sign with the – I mean, all the basic stuff, but then also the personality stuff. You start to see the personality come out, and I know fans like that, too, most. So this is a good time for that. It's almost like a little bit of a, uh, a vacation uh, if you will, where they get to come out and talk a little bit and tell you who they are, who they are, have some jokes before they get to the serious football. If you remember last offseason, this is when we got to know Mac Hollins to be the character that he is, <laughs> yeah. and he became a, uh, an immediate media media darling because he's he's willing to talk in front of the camera and let you in on his personality. Now, if you remember when we had the, the Texas Tech reporter on Don. Don Williams, I believe his name is. Yeah, Don Williams. Uh, he said that Ty he said Tyree, um, you know, is a guy that he will talk to the media. He's not someone who's who's uh, tight lipped or going to give you short answers. He'll he'll give you some um, in depth answers and actually have a conversation, not a conversation, but give you some nuggets about who he is as a person, as a football player. So I'm looking forward to seeing Tyree in front of in front of the podium. Of course, he won't be on the field because he's still recovering from that foot injury. Right. As he said, he won't be ready till training camp. So don't expect to hear any Tyree Wilson notes early. But I'm looking forward to seeing him and, and hearing him talk in front of the media. Yes, and and I think you have some of those guys too personality. Now I do think what we talked about on our last show 
and was the Devonte Adams stuff. So if Devonte Adams speaks to the media, you can expect some follow-up questions to that. So I'm actually thankful for that because he will clarify and clear up. And even, even though if people read the original piece, they would understand it. But I'm just saying it's also that great opportunity. Anything that's been lingering in the air over the last few months, you finally will get some of these guys to speak to that which will be great. So uh, I, that's why I look forward to OTAs as well, as you can put that stuff behind you. All right, Mo, we're going to step aside for our first break. What is that going on in New York City there, Mo? What do you got going on? You got a party it's, next it's, door? It's it's getting warmer. So guys are out here with oh. the motorcycles. I have to get oh, out there the with, my, with my bike, you know? <laughs> Papa Willie out there on the street. You streets. don't have a motorcycle, do you? Of course I do. Do I look like a do person? You? Yeah, of course. I mean, look at look at me. Do, do I look like a person who would be riding a motorcycle at you know seven p.m. in the evening on a on a Wednesday? Of course. No. No. I was <laughs> I was thinking maybe you rode like a mountain bike. No, you got to go with a motorbike out here, <laughs> as you can hear in the background. All right, so that's what that noise was, but I had to call attention to. Okay. We are now stepping aside. When we come back, we're going to get into some of the positions that uh, we'll watch during OTAs a little bit, but mostly a preview of what's going to come when they get to camp and there is competition going on. You're listening to and watching Silver and Black Today and Aussie Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Segment number dos for those Spanish speakers out there. I know Mo loves Spanish. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. If you don't already subscribe to the show, Mo's got some big dudes coming to see you. They're going to knock on the door and they're going to make you download it. No, seriously, go subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you turn on the auto download. You can also get it on the cool Odyssey app. It's awesome, free. Go grab it. If not there, you can subscribe to it wherever you get it. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you again. Hit the subscription button and the notifications bell. You're with Scott Branson and Mo Moten. We are rolling into some OTA battles. I jokingly called them battles because, again, they're just rolling around in shorts and helmets to watch. But these are some of the positions uh, that you should watch now. We should watch the mandatory camp June 6th through 8th. And then, of course, when the pads and the helmets get back on in July, these are the ones that you're going to have to watch to see what this Raider team is going to be uh, come September when they get out on the field for the regular season. All right, Mo, let's start with a position we've been talking about for over a year now, and that is on the right side of that offensive line. We saw last year Jermaine Illuminor mostly start at right tackle struggled at the beginning, came along nicely towards the end of the year. I'm still shocked at how many fans in Raider Nation I talked to who want to say that the offensive line was terrible. I can say that at the beginning of the year, and of course, they were no all-pro unit, but they were better towards the end of the year, and a lot of that had to do with Jermaine Illuminor. If you look at the numbers and the protection numbers, what he was able to do to protect Derek Carr last year and uh, all the data, whether you're getting it from PFF, whether you're getting it from uh, wherever you are, from NFL Stats, um, Jermaine Illuminor is not, though, penciled in as the starter at this point. I don't think you can say that. I think he is the guy who sticks out as the best available option right now. Brandon Parker, I know how fans feel about him. He's coming back from the injury. He was re-signed 
as well. So there's there's question marks there, and there still could be an acquisition mo. So we don't know what's going to happen on that right side. But when you look at Illuminor, I like giving the guy a chance. So I think going into OTAs, going into camp, um, he is the favorite to win that unless they bring somebody in. Uh, and I'd like to see him continue to develop and see him grow. Yeah, I, I, it's like a broken record with this, but Illuminar gave up one sack in the second half of the season. Crazy. You know, yeah. So he, he, you know, after he and Thayer Mumford were alternating drives and he got settled in, he was pretty good. Now, the Raiders didn't sign him to a, a, a huge deal. He got a modest contract, which shows what they feel about him right now. But I think he, in his second year, he can really prove that he can solidify himself at the right tackle position. I think he will ultimately. But if you remember Peter King's piece, because he spent the night with the Raiders during draft night, draft. Yep. the Raiders were interested in Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. And yep. he probably would have played right tackle, being that left, uh, Colton Miller's at left tackle. So the, so the Raiders had an interest in replacing Jermaine Luminar. Ultimately, they didn't because the Cardinals jumped up over them and took Paris Johnson Jr. So that kind of gives Jermaine Luminar another year or so, because I think yep. even if they bring in another right tackle, Jermaine Luminar is in the pole position, the front runner to win that spot. He has another year to, to prove himself. And again, I think he will. What I'm looking at is the right guard position. To me, that's wide open. The Raiders yeah. signed Greg Van Roten, who spent two years with the Jets out here in my backyard. He was he had two solid years with Gang Green. And then they have Natane Muti, and they Muti. have Alex Barris, who I feel it isn't a starter. I've said this plenty of times on this show. I want Alex Barris, family members, and relatives to know I don't dislike him. <laughs> I just think he's a backup and not a starter. But right. that position is wide open. Right now, I would say Greg Van Roten is the favorite to win that position. Of course, he's new, but I think he's the best player right now among the right guards they have available. I would agree. What about, I know we're talking about the right side, but what about center, right? We talked about this last year with the rookie. Who do you think is going to win out there? It's definitely Andre James, um, because unless they decide to move Andre James, he's going to continue to play center because that's all he's played for the Raiders. Yeah. I know he played left tackle, and I believe he played right tackle at UCLA. Mm -hmm. But since he's been with the Raiders with the John Gruden regime, he's played at the center position. And I don't see that changing, which means Dylan Parham will be the guard position. Now, I know there's been chatter that the Raiders want to move Dylan Parham to center. But if you read Vic's piece in The Athletic, uh, that plan may have, have kind of changed a bit because the Raiders have not moved Andre James until this point. He is still their starting center, having some continuity and years of experience there. Yeah, and I think unless there's an injury there or unless there's a drop-off in performance, I agree with you. I think he stays there. But watching that offensive line through camp, uh, especially as we get into July, uh, I, I just don't see anybody out there that they're going to move. I don't think they're going to want to spend a lot of money. I think, again, as we talked about the last show with the with the cornerback position uh, and letting um, Rocky Sin walk – uh, they they believe in their guys and they believe in their talent evaluation. And I think unless Jermaine Illuminor comes out and is just getting blown out in camp, uh, I think you're right. I think he wins that spot. And then at right guard, Van Routen is the guy there, especially with his veteran experience, um, makes a lot of sense, right? And, and I think he's a good player too. I mean, again, not going to be an all pro, but he's going to be a solid guy there. And believe me, that offensive line, it's always important to protect your quarterback. But when you got Jimmy G which also may stand for glass, uh, you don't want him to get hurt, right? So you got to protect him. So that offensive line is going to be a big one. So we'll watch what, what happens there. Mo, the other, the other position I want to get to, so that's the, that's the offensive line. But as we roll into OTAs and into camp uh, beginning of, of the month, um, defensive tackle. 
Here's an area where the Raiders have been tinkering. They needed to get better. You remember last year they brought in Jerry Tillery from the Chargers after he was let go by by Los Angeles. Uh, to me, he's the only lock in there right now. I think he kind of has uh, a lock on the position or one of the spots in there. Then you look at Bilal Nichols, of course, who they signed last year to a big contract, who was was not exactly on fire last year, had some good games, but did not really perform up to what we thought he could be. Uh, then you have third-round pick Byron Young. You have Neil Farrell Jr. from last year. You have Matthew Butler. Uh, and then, of course, Nesta Jade uh, Silvera from Arizona State, who they drafted this year. So they're <clears throat> they're bringing in a lot of bodies, Mo. And it's going to be a battle in there to see who starts. And that's what you want, right? Now, what you don't want, though, is you got a lot of bodies and none of them uh, make a difference. But I think that they have a pretty good group here. And I think you're going to see... Um, I think you're going to see Byron Young step up there. And I also think Nesta uh, Jade Severa might surprise people uh, because of his position and what he's able to do in that kind of hybrid position with the safety um, and line driving back. One thing I'll say is don't forget the two guys they drafted last year in the fourth and fifth round and Neil Farrell Jr. Yeah. and Matthew Butler. Matthew I Butler. was actually high on Matthew Butler because he has versatility and some pass rushing ability. Neil Farrell had a tweet a while ago saying that, basically saying that he's got a lot to prove and he's motivated for the upcoming season. So I would just keep an eye. Don't forget those two guys. The other thing I want to say is I was a little surprised reading Vic Tafer's uh, OTA's piece because I actually thought that Bilal Nichols was the main guy who had a bear hug on a starting mm -hmm. position. Everyone else is battling for another role. He says it's Jerry Tillery who has a bear hug on a starting role and everyone else is battling for snaps in the rotation. So keep in mind the Raiders signed Bilal Nichols to a two-year $11 million deal, about $7.2 million guaranteed. He played 65 to 70% of the snaps last year. If he's battling for snaps in the rotation, that means the Raiders weren't quite happy with his performance last year. And as you said, it was he was kind of just the guy out there, what they would call yeah. a jag. He didn't make a lot of splashy plays, and I think he was pretty much, I would say, a disappointment for what he was paid against about $7.2 million guaranteed. And Jerry Tillery being able to rush the passer, not much of a run stuffer, but being able to rush the passer, I think, gets him in there for about 50% of the snaps. Now, I said this before, and I'll say this again. I think Byron Young could probably overtake Bilal Nichols for his snaps. I think the I reason too. they drafted Byron Young in the third round is to, is to replace the disappointing season that Bilal Nichols had. And I and I said this on, on multiple shows, that I think Young is the replacement for Nichols eventually. Yeah. And I think you might see that change. And if Byron Young can flash at OTAs through training camp and preseason, you'll see a lot of him and Tillery on the field together. Yeah, I, th I think that happens pretty quick. I agree with you. And 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 then you have to look at that. Like you said, you, you talked about it. And I mentioned him when I was going through the list of Matthew Butler, Neil, Neil Farrell Jr. Um, you know, you see guys make – I mean, you, you see rookies make that step up in year two. Um, and so we'll see how their talent evaluation was last year in their first draft – to see if those guys do. It would be a great opportunity for the Raiders, and it would make a huge difference if you had one, just one of those guys really make a big step up along with the rookie Byron Young, along with the, the two veterans, Nichols, and, of course, Tillery, because then you have depth, and especially in the AFC West, right, where teams are going up and down the field, in the AFC overall now, actually, with the passing game in the AFC, uh, the fact that they're going up and down the field, you can keep a fresh set of guys and rotate them if you have guys that are performing. And that might make this, this Raiders defense a lot better if they can hit on some of that. 
What I will say to fans out there listening is don't get caught up in who's the starter on the defensive no. line. Most right. NFL teams have a rotation of four or five guys, depending on the down to distance and situation. You know, they put guys on the field two, usually two, three guys at a time. So don't get caught up in starter back up there. Understand that guys who play more than 50% of the snaps, those are the guys that usually can rush the passer and stop the run. If you're playing fewer than 50% of the snaps, less than 50% of the snaps, then you're probably either or. You're just a pure run stuffer or you're more of a pass rusher who's on who's on the field on third down. So I think it's more of who fits in what role. And, I'm, and again, I'm interested to see where Neil Farrell Jr. fits in. I think he's more of a run stuffer. I think he was a replacement for Jonathan Hankins, who they traded to the Cowboys in the middle of last offseason. And I think Matthew Butler is, is kind of like the X factor there. Also... Don't forget, they signed Adam Butler. And, I, and a oh, lot of people don't right. talk yes, about Adam Butler, don't. former Patriot. Yeah. But he made some plays with the Patriots in the past uh, few years. And I think he's he's a dark horse to play mm. a lot of the snaps in the upcoming season. Keep an eye on Adam Butler and how he progresses with this new regime. Mo, this is a little bit off topic, still on the defensive line. And I know we're not going to the end position. But I want to get your point of view because um, we talked about the disappointing season Chandler Jones had for the money he got. Okay, we got that's a big qualifier there. Tyree Wilson comes in. We don't know. Tyree Wilson says he will be back for camp. The Raiders say he will be back for camp. I believe he will be. How much he's able to go, how fast he progresses from that injury before week one, we don't know. Uh, Chandler Jones, do you see him bouncing back? He's got a young buck now in the room aiming for his job, number one. Number two, he's coming off a disappointing season. Do you see a bounce back there? I wouldn't say a bounce back to Pro Bowl all pro form because at this point, I, I believe that Tyree Wilson is going to take some snaps away from Chandler Jones and eventually uh, be the front runner of that position. So I think with Chandler Jones, you have to think of it as less is more with him. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to preserve him for the entirety of the season because he finishes two, he finished two of the last three seasons on injured reserve. Last year was an elbow injury late in the season. Yeah. So I think what they want to do is scale back. Chandler Jones snaps maybe to about 60, 65%, get Tyree Wilson on the field. Sometimes Tyree Wilson will be on the field along with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. But as far as Chandler Jones is concerned, I think you scale back and try to get more out of him with less time on the field at this stage in his career because he is 33 years old. Yes, absolutely. By the way, Tyree Wilson chose number nine. Nine. <clears throat> Mo, pick a number between be, – you can only if you can only pick a number between four and 12 – what which one of those numbers are you choosing? Four, and that's not. I'm not trolling, Derek Carr fans. I, I choose four because I love the number four. I was born in April. April is the yeah. fourth month of the year, so I love the number four. My birthday is four ten eighty six. So a lot of things I do, I put four in it. That doesn't mean uh, if you're out there, if you're a hacker out there, and you're trying to hack my password. I got you. I don't use four for all my passwords, no. but I do love the number four because of my birthday month. His, his password is avocado smoothie one. No, just kidding. It's not. Uh, anyway, that was just a joke uh, based on our last show. All right, Mo, we're going to step aside. That was offensive line, defensive tackle. When we come back, cornerback, the backfield, the defensive backfield, cornerback safety, and also really outside linebacker. What are the Raiders going to do at linebacker? And what do we need to watch heading into OTAs and into camp? Uh, as we get ready for the dead period coming up here in a few weeks. Again, camp is uh, the mandatory mini camp is June 6th through 8th. So that'll be fun to do. And that'll be kind of the last waypoint before we start getting into some of our cool summer content. 
including Mo singing to us on a ukulele. Yes, get you into the mood with the smoothie, with an umbrella. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a Hawaiian show. Right, Mo? No? We're not going to do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, get, you, you guys and gals out there can hear my singing voice. It, I'll, I'll take it from the shower to the show and share it with you all. Serenade everyone with, with great vocals. Yes, he will sing Blue Hawaii. Yes, get ready for that. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will be back for the final segment of this Thursday edition of Silver and Black Today. Scott and Mo with you. We'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. The home stretch here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, soon to be neighbors, it sounds like, with the Las Vegas Athletics. <clears throat> Mo, it's crazy. Have you been paying attention to this A Stadium situation in Vegas? Not entirely, but of course, being a Raiders content provider, I have a lot of uh, Twitter folks and yeah. a lot of folks in my DMs that are in, in the Bay Area still in Oakland. So they, they kind of saw this coming. So it's not like a sore spot. By the way, the Oaklanders are probably the, are arguably the worst team in the Major League Baseball League right now. So <laughs> um, not that they're missing a, a, a winner, but just to lose another sports team, I, I get it. It hurts again. Well, it hurts, and then it's just crazy to think going back, um, and and the time that I first went to Las Vegas, early '90s, to go to college, to go to UNLV, where I, my alma mater, and you could not. I mean, you had exhibition games, and the Lakers would play there at the Thomas and Mack Center on the campus of UNLV every year, which was great because I worked there. I used to sit courtside to have fun, um, and and all that. And then you had some some hockey exhibition games there. Never a football exhibition. Uh, the Raiders played there back in the 60s. But other than that, you would never, I mean, nobody, not even college sports, the NCAA would not have regionals in Las Vegas. Even though you had all the hotel rooms, all the great stuff, you still could not have that. So the fact that in the last six years, they got <clears throat> WNBA, they got the NFL, uh, and soon to be, and I know people are going to say, oh, they got arena football and they got lacrosse. And yeah, I get those are sports, but I'm talking about the biggies. The fact that they're going to get baseball is crazy to me, uh, but it just goes to show you how gambling in this country is now mainstream, right? Because we can do it everywhere. You can do it in Ohio. You can do it in New York, New Jersey, or New Jersey, right? Not New York. In New York, too. Have you oh, had, I don't York. know if you've been keeping up with it, but I, I've been betting on um, home run props. Lately. Oh, that's right. I saw and your tweet. Great. What did you call yourself? Yeah, it's Moe's Mo's Dinger or something? Moe's Double Dingers. <laughs> Most double dingers. Yes, oh right. I, I, not to go off tangent here, but when you I, said that, I, I thought love... you were talking. When you said double dinger, I thought you were talking about a young lady you were seeing or something. I knew that's where it was going. <laughs> I knew that's where this was going. <laughs> and you know what's so funny? When I put out the tweet, I second thought it. You know how you write a tweet out and you're and like, you second guess, and you're like, should yeah. I put this out or is, are people going to take it the wrong way? But I'm like, ah, what the hey? Most double dingers. We're going with that. And, I, and like I just that. say, just not to go off on a tangent, but I love betting <clears throat> baseball props. I like that. I'm gonna, I'll start betting with you a little bit and see how we do. And then I can give you crap if I lose on the show here. Does that sound good? <laughs> Sounds good. All right, cool. All right. So we, oh, by the way, a reminder, if you don't subscribe to the show, please do so. Wherever you get your audio, 
Just search Silver and Black today. Uh, we love the uh, the free Odyssey. It's free. It's free. Not very th many things in the world can you get for free anymore. The Odyssey app, you can. Not only can you listen to our show, but you can listen to any of the NFL podcasts. There's baseball podcasts if you're a fan. The Odyssey Network has everything you could possibly want. And music, too. You can listen to stations from all over the country. So make sure you check that out. Also, a hello to our YouTube crowd out there. Get a lot of crap, Mo, that you're not in the chat very much anymore. I told them you're busy. But you're gonna have to stop by soon because people are getting starting to get hurt feelings. And we really, don't want I mean, have... look, <laughs> I'll say this: the last few weeks, I will be completely honest and transparent with you all. The NBA playoffs have been on. Scott's not it's much busy. of an NBA fan. No, but the Knicks were in the playoffs. The Knicks were in the playoffs, and then I was keeping up with the conference finals and also writing at the same time. But if the people in the chat want more Mo, that, that's what you'll get because you're going to start to get a slowdown. The conference finals yeah. are coming. I mean, the NBA finals are coming up, so I'll start to be yeah. available pretty soon at 9 o'clock hour. You just pulled a Ricky Henderson referring to yourself in the third person. Yeah, it happens. We always call you. Hey, look. It's Midtown Mo. You haven't played that in a while. We haven't. Our producer, Mike, is probably saying, what the hell is that audio coming? Where's that coming from? Mike just, Mike's probably, did I just... Tune into a jazz lounge. Let's get out the funk, baby. Come on, Mo. See, Mo's sleeping on me. He's like, white dude doesn't know funk. What's he talking about? Oh, my gosh. Come on. Anyway, Mike's so that's like the mix. Mike is like these clowns that I'm working with now. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike Robbie, our new producer, by the way, his second show, already doing a bang-up job. Our former producer, David Stepanian, you guys have got to know here, is now going to be a contributor. He's going to be going out and covering practice for us and doing all sorts of stuff. So, But he's over in Armenia, his home country, his family's home country, I should say. He's sending me pictures, and I'm jealous because I'm sitting there at the office at work, and he's saying, look at this, look at that. And I'm like, oh, dude, I just want to be on vacation. But anyway, we'll get there sometime soon. All right, this last segment, Mo, we're going to go over some of the other positions, the question marks that, that uh, the Raiders fans have heading into OTAs, that we have heading into OTAs and into camp later in the month. Uh, beginning of next month. And we got to start right with cornerback safety, the defensive backfield overall. You look at this, the Marcus Peters watch continues, but I loved um, <laughs> Vic's line in his story, which, which motivated us to do these segments, by the way. Thank you, Vic. Uh, which was the Marcus Peters watch. Marcus Peters came in, saw what they had, and so he wouldn't budge off his price because he knows the Raiders are desperate for some help there. We haven't heard any more since the visit, Mo. We haven't heard Marcus Peters going anywhere else. Do you think he signs in Vegas? What's your gut telling you? I don't think so. And not to say that that means he won't eventually, but as Vic said in his piece, he's looking at the Raiders' cornerback depth chart, and he's probably thinking, well, I'm better than all those guys if I sign. I, you know, I'm sticking to whatever price I had and I'm not coming down off of that because you guys need me more than I need you because he probably has multiple suitors because we know what Marcus Peters is capable of when he's completely healthy and in a man coverage system that suits his strengths. So I understand why Marcus Peters is probably saying, okay, thanks for the offer, but I'm going to look around and see what the best offer is to me before I sign on a dotted line. Now, if the Raiders have an injury at the position, <laughs> then I guarantee you they will be calling Marcus Peters first back to the facility <laughs> to say, hey, we need you to start right now. But right. Here's a if anything check. happens, 
Right. If anything happens for Marcus Pierce, I, I feel like he's probably going to sign right before training camp because he's a vested veteran. He's going to survey the field and see what his offers are. Yeah. He doesn't need to be at OTAs anyway. He doesn't even no. need to be at the beginning of training camp. He just needs to be ready for week one. So I, I was, if he does sign, I would expect him to sign sometime in June, July. Right. So you look at the cornerback position. Let's start with the outside here. Duke Shelley, right? Uh, David Lynn Jr. on the other side of that. Uh, those seem to be the guys right now. I know they don't exactly stoke excitement in the the eyes of Raider Nation out there, nor here as well. But those two players, uh, as of right now, to me, that's who you're looking at at the outside on the outside. I think Nate Hobbs is in that conversation. I think they're going to go with Nate Hobbs on the outside again, as they did last year. Of course, he'll play Nickel. in the slot when they have. Yeah. Um, you know, three cornerbacks on the field. Yeah. But I think it's Nate Hobbs and then whoever steps up among that group, Duke Shelley, David Long Jr., and Jacorian Bennett. I personally think Jacorian Bennett steps up, and I think it's going to be Nate Hobbs, Jacorian Bennett, and Amik in the nickel at times. Yeah. Because Amik Robinson did progress under Patrick Graham. But we'll see. But I think the one lock is Nate Hobbs, and then we're, we'll see who steps up. A lot of talk about Duke Shelley. My thing about Duke Shelley is he's about 5'9". So yeah, he's, he's played in the slot yeah. Yeah. and he, he played on the outside last year with the Minnesota Vikings, but he's five, nine. So there are going to be certain matchups where he's going to be at a disadvantage, similar to Amik Robinson. I, yes. I, that's why I would prefer Jacorian Bennett, who has the physical <clears throat> skill set and has the size to play the position against any wide receiver. Yeah, you look at the Raiders' schedule, too, and the receivers they're going to be going up against uh, this year. It's it's a tall task, and literally a tall task as well, so it'd be hard to do that. And I, I agree with you on Amika Robertson. Progressed last year, had some great games. But at the end of the day, and there's nothing wrong with that, because not everybody's uh, going to be a A1 starter in this league anymore. And and like you said, the word starter these days is not the same as it used to be. But Amika Robertson is going, I think, to continue to develop to be a great role player for the Raiders or for an NFL team if he ever decides to leave the Raiders. He'll have a long career in the NFL barring any injury, and I think you'll see him in the mix there as well. Then you have also Sam Webb, you have Tyler Hall and Brandon Faison as well, mm-hmm. uh, Mo, in the mix there. And so you do, those are those guys are all wild cards. I don't see – I mean, Faison obviously being the big veteran coming back, he was here when, um, when, when John Gruden Gus was Bradley. the coach and Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator. So he's back – um, I don't know how much le- he's got left in the tank. He played well for the for the Raiders then, uh, but those three guys, I just look at that. I think they're going to want to go young. Uh, I think the Nate Hobbs, Meek Robertson, a, a lot of people are talking like he's on the cusp. He could get cut. I don't think so as long as he continues to develop. So, so it's going to be a crowded room, not an overly talented room. But those final three guys, Sam Webb, Tyler Hall, Brandon Faison, you agree with me on Faison? I agree with you on Faison. The one thing is he did lead the team in pass breakups, but I believe 14 when Gus Bradley was in Las Vegas. But that was under Gus Bradley. How is he going to do different it system. in Patrick Graham's yeah. system, which is a different system? So you can't expect the same production there. So I, I agree with you there. The wild card here, I think, is Tyler Hall because in in spots he performed pretty well. Now, he was very limited in his action, but I, I think the Rays may be interested to see him in an expanded role if he flashes again at training camp through the preseason. He could possibly move up the depth chart. And it's just right now, it's just a young group. And it's the group has a lot to, outside. Of, even Nate Hobbs has something to prove to be that number one guy on the outside mm. and moving into the slot. But that group has a lot to prove. But there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of potential there. But you know what they say about potential? It just means you haven't done it yet. <laughs> and they're going to have to show it. They're going to have to show it from OTAs through preseason. And I think you're going that's going to be the one of the most competitive 
uh, position battles through camp is is that cornerback position, even just the secondary, even at safety, which we will talk about shortly. Yes. So at safety, you look at what they're doing at safety there. Um, you know, Trayvon Morrig started off so well. We went into last year, you and I, on this show when we went live on the Odyssey, the new 2400 Sports Odyssey NFL Network here. We talked a lot about him. We talked about him being a Pro Bowl. I know it doesn't mean what it used to, but we talked about him being a Pro Bowl caliber safety coming off his rookie year. He fell back significantly last year, struggled, uh, and and not saying that he can't pull out of it, but it's a big question mark for the kid. I like the kid. He's a good kid, has talent, uh, but Mo, he's going to have to show something. I think he's going to have to start camp hot. He's definitely got to start camp on the right foot because it's. I, I wouldn't say I would say his he he's safe in a sense because yeah. he's a high draft pick, second round pick. Some people had him in the first round, but the injury caused him to drop a little bit. He's going to have a chance to prove himself again. But if he has a slow start, just remember I'm very high on Christopher Smith out of Georgia, the fifth round pick, the rookie mm-hmm. fifth rounder. I think he's going to have a big run. I think Trayvon Merrick is going to have to look over his shoulder if Chris Smith has a strong start and he has a sluggish one yeah no no question um you look at uh, also um the opportunity there uh at safety i think i think they may end up signing a guy or two uh as a camp body i don't think it's going to move the needle too much uh, but they do need to create some oh you got you got something for me i got john johnson the third is still available now i think ah, john johnson that's the third a good one is- I think he's going to wind up with the Chargers because um, the mm. Chargers had um, Nasir Adderley retire on them. He was their starting safety last year. Yeah. And just remember, John Johnson III played under Brandon Staley, who's the head coach of the of the Chargers now. He played under mm-hmm. Staley when he was the defensive coordinator for the Rams, when they had the number one defense. Right. So to me, the fit for John Johnson makes sense with the Chargers. But if I'm the Raiders, I would jump on that first because, as we just said, Trayvon Merrick took a step back. Christopher Smith, fifth rounder, I'm high on him, but he is a rookie. Marcus Epps doesn't move the needle for me. No. So I think the Raiders should address the safety position. I know they took a look at a cornerback in Marcus Peters, but safety is another spot where I would bring in a veteran before training camp. Another position the Raiders must address is the next one we're going to talk about, my friend, and that is linebacker, especially on the outside uh, you're talking about Robert Spillane, of course, the guy they brought over from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Divine Diablo, who's a good athletic player, uh, but not, I think, the kind of guy who's going to make a significant difference there. Uh, Mo, this position, it's hard to talk about it because I just don't think they have the answer yet. They have guys there that they're hoping will play a role, but I keep waiting for the name that you mentioned two weeks ago. And that, of course, is Kyle Van Noy. I continue to think that he would be a great addition for this team, not only because of the background and where with the Patriots, but also the fact that um, he's got a lot left in the tank and you need that veteran quarterback of the defense. They don't have a guy like that right now. And to me, that's the name. And I think the Raiders need to go all in on him. I think it's one of those situations where, yes, Calvin Noy may not be the player he was in his prime. Right. Not great in coverage. But as you said, I think you need that veteran presence in the middle of the defense. You saw what Denzel Perryman was able to do with the Raiders in his two years with the team. And I think you need just need that guy to be able to line the young guys up, tell guys where to where to be on certain plays. You need someone who can see the play before it happens. And I think Calvin Noy is that player. Now, Vic mentioned Calvin Noy in his piece. I will say, as you mentioned, I mentioned Kyle Van Noy weeks ago. So we'll yes. see if the Raiders are hearing 
our our talk our chatter and our talk about Kyle Van Noy joining. But of course, my number one option for the Reds at linebacker is still Patrick Queen of the Baltimore Ravens. Please, <laughs> Dave you're gonna Ziegler, die on that hill. Name. You're dying if on that hill. Someone knows Dave. Yes, if someone knows Dave Ziegler or is connected with him, please tell him Patrick <laughs> Queen may be available for a third or fourth round pick. If it is, if he is, I take that deal in a heartbeat. I'm just saying. Yeah, and then the guy that I'm really interested to watch, Mo, um, <clears throat> is the the rookie, Amari Bernie out of Florida, right? Because he is that linebacker. And I started to talk to him in the middle of the in the middle of the defensive tackle position thing because I was excited about him because he plays that hybrid position, right? He can play linebacker, he can fall back at safety, like Isaiah Simmons on the Cardinals. Um, this opportunity for him, I mean, you have such an empty linebacker room. So as a rookie where he was drafted, he's got a great opportunity to come in. If he can start off on the right foot in camp, and and even at OTAs, just show a, an ability to learn the defense, to, to get along with the coaching staff, to start to, to step up and be a young leader at that position, he may surprise people and steal some significant time. It's funny you say that because I had a Bleach Report live show the day after the draft was done, Saturday, mm-hmm. after the Raiders made their picks, and someone – in the chat room asked, you know, who's the one rookie that you think could surprise everyone and just kind of exceed expectations very early? And I said it was Amari Bernie simply because his pathway to a starting role is very clear. Exactly. All he has to do, if he shows enough coverage ability yeah. at OTAs at training camp, he can get on the field because Robert Spillane, that's his weaknesses, is coverage ability. He, right. he, he's probably going to have to come off the field on passing down. Yeah, now, he's Devon a Diablo has yeah. the, Devon, Devon Diablo has the ability to play all three downs. He just still has to show it. But Amari Bernie, just showing that he can he can play in zone coverage in his last year at Florida, I think proves that he has a shot to surprise a lot of people and play a lot of snaps in 2023. Absolutely. And so that that's a guy I'm excited about until I'm not. Um, but I think I think he'll show out. I think he's gonna be one of those guys who's gonna yeah. capture attention because if you watch him, and I invite those of our listeners or folks who are watching us on YouTube. Go find some video of him and just watch how he plays. And and to most point, in coverage and what he's able to do there, I think he's a very underrated. He went really under the radar in the draft. A lot of draft experts agreed with us too, Mo, including some of your guys at Bleacher Report who were high on him as well. So it'll be interesting. But that linebacker position has to be addressed. I hope they go get that one veteran. It would really be great to see with like a Van Noy, a Bernie, and then a Spillane and a Diablo there. That would be a nice mixture of guys not all the way there yet you can still get a lot better uh, as you move along but to me i would feel a lot better with that veteran and a hot rookie in the room remember what dave ziggler said in his post-draft press conference he said they're going to look at the roster and see where they have a surplus and see where they have needs and maybe make some swaps so i Mm. would say i know this is a sore subject for a lot of people because we've had this person on the show before yeah Yeah. but i think this is where the hunter renfro trade try to comes in i think they yeah. deal hunter renfro for a linebacker or a mm-hmm. draft pick and flip that draft pick into a, a linebacker trade deal yes no doubt about it and we didn't talk a lot about offense today outside of the line because yes tight ends are there but we all know the man from south bend and actually the Maybe local Grok. the local cincinnati native he's actually from northern kentucky went to covington catholic high school just across the river in covington kentucky from cincinnati 
he is going to be a monster. It'll take him a little bit. He'll, he'll have to warm up a little bit, get used to the pro game. Uh, but I don't think it'll be much competition once uh, once he gets rolling. So, But we'll get into much of this. When we get to camp in a couple weeks here, Mo, uh, and actually, well, no, it's a week and a half, right? And we get to, to camp, we'll talk a little more and see what's going on there. We'll also, I think, start to find out a little more. It's mandatory minicamp. So we'll find out a little more about Josh Jacobs, if he's going to sign that, uh, that uh, tender for the tag or not, or what's going to happen there, right? So we'll, we'll get some more clarity there uh, as well. Uh, and then the, the the Renfro trade thing you brought up, you're right, it is a sore subject for fans, and I understand it because he is a fan favorite. Hunter's a great guy, as you mentioned, was part of this show for an entire year, uh, and we love him, but at the same time, it's a business. The NFL, number one, is a business, so we'll see what happens as we move along. By the way, uh, we know, too, we talked about Mark Davis and the opposition to the Thursday night flex schedule, and that passed, as we mentioned last show, that's become a little bit of a hot subject for folks uh, as they talk about player safety. The other thing, Mo, I watch, I don't know if you follow Andrew Brandt, the professor. We've had him here on the show as well. I uh, used to be a front office guy with the with the Packers. And he said, he talked about, there was a, there was a, the, the, the rule change around the touchback being on the, tw- now when you do a touchback or a fair catch, excuse me, uh, the ball will now be placed at the 25 like it is in college. And he made a really convincing argument that I invite you guys to go read that the NFL is moving towards getting rid of kickoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people have pointed this out that mm-hmm. they, they don't want the collisions on kickoffs. That That's where all the concussions happen. happen. I mean, the majority of them. So the, the Devin Hester's of the world, the Dante Hall's of the world that you remember being stars as return men, I think those days are almost numbered. And this is why I say Raiders drafting Trey Tucker in the third round <laughs> is just definitely just the ultimate reach unless they're going to play him, unless he's going to play a lot of snaps in the slot. Yeah. I know, again, I know Ziegler said they see him as a complete wide receiver, but you don't draft a special teamer in the third round considering we're the direction of the NFL is headed. And I know that the rule came down afterward, after the draft, but, but you can coming. see where this was headed. You, right. you can see the trickle-down effect where this was going. And the right. NFL is trying to say, player safety, we want to get rid of collisions on kickoffs. Right. And they will they will continue. Obviously, you'll still have kickers for, for field goals. And punting, of, of course. course, will still happen. Um, although the punting, even, I think, later on down the line, because there's punters, uh, again, these are jobs. So the NFL Players Association in the current – uh, collective bargaining agreement has protected those jobs, but you know the players association is also in the position of where they have to protect players. So mm-hmm. do you say, well, geez, if we lose 32 people from the union, uh, but we protect guys from getting CTE, I think that's a pretty easy decision. And so you might start to see punting go the way of the, the wind as well, because the same thing happens on punts, right? You're doing coverage, you're doing all that stuff. And it's weird for us to think about it because the game has always been that way. But you start to understand it and protecting the the properties that are the NFL and protecting the players. It's going to be a really interesting discussion. But as we get to the owners meeting, a lot of this stuff will be finalized and we'll talk more about it. Whew. All right, Mo, we're out of time for this Thursday already. Another week in the books. By the way, I want to say that we're not we're not taking a dump on special teams, guys. We, no, no. You know, Daniel Carlson, AJ Cole, Bobby Meyer, we, we love yeah. you guys. You're part of the team, especially field goal kickers. You know, when the game is tight, you need your field goal kicker to have some ice in no his veins. Daniel Carlson has that. But we're Absolutely. just saying that when it comes to return men, that part of the game is just being phased out. 
It is, and it has been for 10 years, so uh, that's nothing new. Mo, tell everybody what you got coming uh, the remainder of this week. We're sitting here on a Thursday morning as we send the show out to the world and the interwebs. Uh, what do you got coming up? So two things. I'm still working on that OTAs piece, uh, questions the Raiders have at OTAs. Yeah, your, your, editor called me and, your editor called me and said, where the hell is Mo's OTA piece? <laughs> that's coming up. That's coming down the pipeline. And I also have a Bleach Report live show on Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Post-June 1 moves the Raiders can make to improve their roster is going to be the topic. Yeah, Midtown Mid- Mo's back in Midtown action. Midtown Mo's back on the live. Sorry, I got to play the theme. Our, our voice, or again, our voiceover guy at Odyssey. I just love the mix he did on his that guitar, dude. It's just jamming. Anyway, okay, there yeah. you go. All right, so so people are like, okay, we already heard that. Anyway, so make sure you watch Mo on Saturday. So you get him on a Thursday. You take a day off from Mo. You can read him on Friday, and then you can see him again on Saturday without a hat on because he's Mister Spiffy when he's in the big. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to be more corporate when I'm on Bleacher Report Live. <laughs> Even though I don't have to because there are people mm. on there with their hats, but I like to be a little more buttoned up when I go live on Bleacher Report. Sell out. Okay. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying, you know, some people will do that. Well, you're corporate. Blah, blah, blah. Well, meanwhile, everybody works for a corporation pretty much, part, unless you have a small business of your own, which God bless you if you do. That's what makes the country run. Thank you. Listen, when you're going into a, the same building that Bill Clinton may be in, you might want to tighten it up a little bit. Yeah, and you might watch your girlfriend too if you got one with you. <laughs> Got to be careful, man. He's he's slick Willie, right? I mean, that's what his nickname was. The guy's got game, even in his age. And it's over. Oh, Once he gets on that saxophone. Yes, but if you see him, will you do one thing? Uh, go like this and say, "Hey, uh, Bill, you got a cigar?" Oh, oh okay, okay. Scott, you're, you're trying to hey, get me escorted out of the building. Is what you know, you know, I smoke cigars. I'd like a cigar from a president. It would be pretty cool. We'll see what I can do. I would. I, there's there's many, many former presidents on both sides of the aisle that I would love to sit down and have a beer with. Republicans. You're going to share that list and get us and, and get us canceled? No, I, or, I would or? I would sit with Clinton. I would sit with Obama. I would sit with Bush. Trump, I don't think he would sit with me. But, you know, that's the way it goes. So I, I would sit and the rest of them are dead. Or Jimmy Carter's still with us, but uh, I know he's not doing well. So, um but yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, chances, that's what I don't understand. And I'm going on a small political thing here. And that is, I understand people have sides and, and I respect people on both sides. But at the same time, like the president is the president. Um, and I don't know that, I don't know that the current president would, would do that. I know he goes to bed early and he's older and all that stuff. But, but I would sit with any president. It doesn't matter their politics. You can still get to sit with a president. It's pretty cool. So anyway, I know we'll get some comments. That's okay. We're not getting political. I'm just saying I would sit with the president and have a cigar or have a beer. How dare you, Scott? You I only know. sit with one side of the aisle and that's it. People will be okay with side, that, Scott. but they're not okay with the guy selecting number four when he could only select number four and 12. Craziness. Mo, you were getting that's, That should be a, a lot. You were getting, I mean, people were calling you out like I've never seen before over a damn number. It's mess. Yes. And it, it shocked me because at first, at first I got on, I said, you know, I'm not going to engage in this nonsense, but I said, let me say one thing about it. It doesn't really mean much to me. And people, no. a certain section of Raider fans went berserk. They did. And you, and then, and then you saw another side of me because it was, it was agitated me just a bit <laughs> to the point where I'm like, let me excuse myself from this conversation before I get out of character. Yes. Yes. 
It's it's interesting, and uh, I know. And then we had the share. We it's funny whenever we talk about a subject like this, we get the people who are like, "Why do you guys care?" And we even this this guy on YouTube who watches our YouTube channel all the time. I appreciate you watching. It's like, dude, if you keep talking about fans, I'm out. I'm like, fans, fan. Raider Nation is huge. Raider Nation supports this show. Raider Nation is the reason we have a show. So how would we not talk about what they're thinking about, right? We do a mailbag uh, show every week. We, we do a mailbag show <laughs> every week. And so, so this idea that you shouldn't talk about it. And then the one, my biggest pet peeve on Twitter, people can call me a jerk. They can say I suck. I don't care about that stuff. What bothers me the most, though, are the people who write things. And I saw a guy write this to you. In essence, I'm going to paraphrase. Do better. You, you're better than that. I'm like, better than just talking about a stupid subject where we we said people should just chill out. It's, yeah, it's really shout funny. out to that guy. I I know who I know who you're referring to, and shout out to that guy who said it because he not that he walked the statement back, but he he clarified what he, he wanted did. to say. That's true. And he he didn't he didn't mean anything malicious by it. He was just saying like, I I didn't think you were gonna talk about it like that. And my response to him was basically, look. I'm not going to spend all day talking about it. I yeah. will engage with people who have rational, respectful comments to me on Twitter in my DMs. I will right. respond to those because I'm not above fans and fan conversation and fan discussions. I'm part of it. Of course. I'm part of the Raiders community, part of that community. So I'm going to engage. Yeah. But what I won't do is spend an absorbent and absurd amount of time on certain subjects. Correct. And not only that, but it's it's a situation where you you want to engage with people. And and also, I think we helped educate people because there was a guy we were going back and forth and some people were being nasty to him. I was not, which was the idea that if you look and we did this on the show, some people listen to the show when they can. Some people don't catch every show. I understand that life's busy. But we I remember I went through the roster live on the show saying what numbers could he have chosen? And he had two or three. I think 19 might have been one of them, too. There's three numbers. Like, no, quarterback, there's 90 numbers. No, quarterback can only wear zero through 19, right? And you had a running back take one. You had all the receivers. You had uh, Tyree Wilson on the defensive line take the number nine. So it, I like that piece of it because it's like people, and, and, and the people that we talk to mostly are very, very cool. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't know that about the number rule and how it changed and da, da, da. So I think once people got that, but it was it was a fun conversation. And yes, I know we'll get the people. Oh, you guys are that bored? You have to talk about that. Yes, there's no football to talk about, so we're talking about what's on your mind. That's what we do here, plain and simple. All right, Mo, enjoy. I, Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I've I've totally washed my hands with the topic on. I don't know what you're talking I, about. I don't know what topic you're talking I about. <laughs> I, I haven't even discussed. It. I won't. No, we have a lot more to talk about. And again, a reminder, make sure you uh, catch Mo on the Bleacher Report live on Saturday. The time again, Mo? 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific for you people out there on the West Coast. Uh, middle of the day, so there would be no yeah. basketball on until if the Celtics, you know, hang Make on. Make <laughs> We'll see. Uh, but, you know, there won't be any basketball on at that time, so you have no excuses not to tune in to me live and talk greatest with me. There you go. Uh, enjoy your holiday weekend. Remember, the weekend is to remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for this country, those who gave their lives. It's not Veterans Day. Know the difference. Veterans Day is when we thank the men and women who served and are serving. Memorial Day, I have to get on the soapbox every year, is for those who died for this country. So please, while we'll celebrate and have a good time on the weekend, take a bit of time 
uh, to reflect on that sacrifice. And uh, we appreciate and send our best and our prayers out to all those families throughout the history of the United States whose families made that sacrifice along with the, the service member who did as well. So thank you for that. Mo and I will be back on Tuesday. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, SNB Today, Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, and I am at LV Gully. want to thank our producer, of course, Mike Rabier, on the dials. Well, they say that in the radio, but he's actually more on a computer these days because it's all digital. But anyway, thanks to Mike uh, for producing this show. Uh, for everyone here, have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll catch you next week.